0: Halloween is once again upon us, and while some will rejoice in the tradition of masquerade, others will find joy in the thrill of fear and terror. Since I was thrown into a flaming pit of filth at birth, every day of my life, every moment of my existence has been Halloween. All of you disingenuous
1: freaks who cloak yourselves in costume to hide the monster within, Can celebrate with me here.
0: (laughs) Hello, and welcome to Camel Clutch Cinema, the podcast where we talk about movies that star wrestlers or have wrestling in them. I'm Guy Hutchinson.
1: And I'm Craig Cohen. On this episode, we are talking about See No Evil. And before we get started, be forewarned that this discussion will be chock full of spoilers.
0: I also think people should be forewarned that because this involves Kane, This is going to be full of repugnant stuff that they don't want. (laughs) If you have children, you won't be able to cover their ears enough, you know, during this discussion of his career and of this movie.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a camel clutch cinema first.
0: (laughs) There is stuff that happens in this film that'll make you sick if you hadn't heard it. It's stuff that if you're watching the movie, you might go, "Oh, okay," But when it's described to you, it seems weirder and, and more more perverse, but then there's other stuff that didn't make it into the movie that, Oh boy.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> oh boy. And then if you're a wrestling fan, you know about Katie Vick. That's all I'm saying. So if you got kids and, and for some reason they enjoy listening to this show, this is one that, that you may want to skip over. Yeah. So Craig, when did you first see, see no evil?
1: I think it was probably about a year ago on a uh, fear, fear net on demand. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I watched it again uh, for the for this uh, this week for the show.
0: I saw this movie for the first time back in, in, I think, March of this year. I had recorded it off Encore when they showed it, and I never got around to watching it. The weird thing is I wanted to see this movie from the day it was announced, and it took me years to get around to seeing it.
1: Yeah, same here. I don't know why I didn't see this in theaters. Um, unless it had a short theatrical run i really can't remember
0: it's possible but it did this movie did make a substantial amount of money considering it's a low budget wwe film and I I just didn't go see it. For whatever reason, I didn't get to see it when it was in theaters. And then I think that's what killed it for me. The fact that I didn't go see it then, you know, it just, when it came out on DVD, you know, it was, hey, maybe I'll rent it. But it, I think I, I lost all my excitement about it right after it left the theaters. But I wanted to see this. I thought when I heard of this, I thought this was a great idea. Kane was a guy, Glenn Jacobs, from the first time I saw him without the cane mask with the head shaved. I thought this guy would really work as, you know, uh, one of those characters like Michael Berryman always played in horror movies, one of those weird offbeat giant guys.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely.
0: And I just never got around to seeing this. It came out May nineteenth, two 2006. And if you're a wrestling fan, you'll remember the date, May nineteenth, which we'll certainly get to. Craig, why don't uh, don't you read me the plot summary from the back of the DVD
1: box? All right. Seven feet tall, 400 pounds. All right, let's stop
0: right there, because that makes absolutely no sense. (laughs) They, for some reason, according to the box, Kane is 400 pounds.
1: Yeah, I instantly pictured, like, one-man gang.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's crazy. They're saying Kane is, is taller than Big Show. And weighs more than Brodus Clay.
1: Yeah, and the interesting thing here is, I mean, they didn't really do anything in the movie to make him look bigger than he already is.
0: No, he's really buff in the film, but he wears a sweatshirt a lot, which we'll talk about, which I don't think... I think is is the wrong attire for this character. And I think if you're going to have a guy that's this big and strapping, you shoot him from angles where he looks bigger. You shoot him, you know, looking up at him, and you shoot him where he has no shirt, and, you know, you you, you make him look all defined and gigantic and monstrous. Exactly. Uh, All right, so let's start again. It's seven feet tall and
1: 400 pounds. A rusty steel plate screwed into his skull and razor-sharp fingernails that pluck out his victim's eyes. Reclusive psychopath Jacob Goodnight is holed up in the long-abandoned and rotting Blackwell Hotel, alone with his nightmares until eight petty criminals show up for community service duty, along with the cop who put a bullet in Jacob's head four years ago. When one of their own is kidnapped by the killer and her fate uncertain, the remaining lawbreakers must fight this indestructible force of nature who has a violent score to settle.
0: Now, when this came out in 2006, this was the first film to be released by WWE Films that was entirely their film and not co-produced in some way. Is that, I believe that's the deal?
1: Yeah, I, I think that I think that's true. And oh, then although, I, I think
0: Marine was, was right after this?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I guess it, it was produced and financed by WWE and then Lionsgate did the distribution on it.
0: Now, prior to this, uh, as we've talked about in the past, The Rock had a lot of movies that came out that had WW films attached to it, but they weren't exactly uh, WW productions. They didn't do everything on it. So this film comes out in May, October you, of the same year you get The Marine with John Cena. Odd that they chose to start out with a Kane film.
1: Yeah, and a, an R rated horror movie at that.
0: Yeah I I don't know that that's a bad move though. They've done a lot of action, they've done they've tried comedy and some different things. I think the concept of action and and horror are are both good films for this cuz there's a lot of low budget horror. There's a lot of low budget action films and it seems that horror films to be successful generally don't have to make a lot of money back. There's a lot of Mm-hmm. franchises that do there's certainly you know your paranormal activities and your saw films but if yep. you look at other franchises you know they'll, they'll put out a, a, a jeepers creepers sequel or something and you know won't make a lot of money and then they'll put out another one you know i mean yeah. there's a lot of films that mm-hmm. are able to escape by low budget and you know and, and a low return and so it seemed like you know I, I guess it seemed like an odd choice but but maybe it's somewhat of a safe choice to go with a horror yeah. film
1: Interestingly, uh, what's interesting here, though, is uh, this was May of uh, that year, and then, like you said, October was The Marine. You'd almost think that those two movies could have been flip-flopped, Yeah. whereas The Marine really feels like more of a summer movie, and, you know, See Evil would definitely work in October.
0: Yeah, I, but you see, here's my thought. Absolutely, this would have been a great Halloween-time film. Uh, that's why we chose to do it here for Halloween week. But what I think they were looking at is... The Marine was going to get squashed against summer competition, whereas right. this film is is not a film that's aiming to be as big as I think the Marine was aiming to be. I'm not sure if box office wise, it made too much of a difference. The Marine came in about twenty two million. This came in at eighteen and a half million. But yeah. I think that was probably their strategy.
1: No, that makes sense.
0: Now, when this came out, there was a red carpet ceremony. Uh, they had uh, a bunch of wrestlers there. They showed clips of this on television where you got to see Shawn Michaels and John Cena and Kurt Angle and Candice Michelle and Chris Masters, Ray Mysterio, all telling us about this film. And then most terrifyingly of all, we got to hear Chris Benoit tell us about this. Yes. Uh, watching it, it back, as Chris Benoit is talking about, almost any time I see a clip of Chris Benoit, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. But watching him talk about a horror movie and how fun he had watching it just really creeped me out.
1: Yeah. Oof. <laughs> it's interesting, too, looking at this, at this. you know, 2006 relatively wasn't that long ago. Mm-hmm. But you look at all the people here. Uh, Shawn Michaels is now retired and in the Hall of Fame. Right um cena of course is still active but you know kurt angles over in tna candace michelle i haven't thought about in in a while oh sure uh, and you know ray mysterio is still somewhat semi-active but you know i'm surprised that there aren't more active guys on uh, on this list here
0: yeah ray mysterio just fought the flu to come back <laughs> to come back and wrestle on monday yeah let's talk about this director gregory dark <laughs> and do you know what his real name is
1: you don't have to know. I, I assume can, it's not Gregory Dark. Yes. Uh,
0: his real name is Gregory Hippolita Brown. Okay. It may be Hippolyte. I'm not sure, but that's... That, his...
1: that almost makes it sound like, uh, looking at it written down here, I just pulled it up. Yeah. It almost looks like uh, the, the Acolytes uh, the, and the Hippolytes. Yeah,
0: yeah. It really is strange. And I guess he was like, you know, uh, Gregory Brown. Maybe there was another director with that name, and so he went with Gregory Dark. Uh, he's born 1957 in Los Angeles, and he's got an interesting past because he directed adult films.
1: Yeah, he's one of the few adult filmmakers who actually successfully made a transition into mainstream Hollywood filmmaking.
0: And uh, the, the, the name Dark was part of his, uh, his credit. He was credited, apparently, as the Dark Brothers at some point in time. I guess maybe there was another guy that also used the last name Dark, but uh, this guy is the one that made it to directing Ceno Evil. The writer's got a very interesting story. The writer was also a WWE writer at the same time as this film was being made. So at the same time he's writing the script for this, he's writing for WWE television. And apparently a lot of people didn't realize that, that we're working with him.
1: Yes, I remember. And I think we'll talk about this later. I remember re- uh, hearing that in an interview.
0: Yeah, maybe we should get that out of the way now since uh, since you bring it up. Um on on that show that they do, they do the Review Away with Wei Ting and John Pollock. They did an episode where they reviewed this. Generally, they review old wrestling matches. So they'll review a pay-per-view or something. Very fun show to listen to. Uh, two really interesting personalities. And they did one where they were talking just about this movie. And it was a very interesting thing to hear. But they uncovered a lot of different different things about this movie because they spoke to Dan Madigan, who was the writer of this, who worked for WWE. They talked to him during that, you know, that podcast.
1: Yeah, it was a really interesting interview.
0: Yeah, he uh, he talked about how you know there was a lot of it. Sounded like there was a lot of where one hand didn't know what the other one was doing, and you know there were two factions of this same company, and they didn't really realize that the same guy was working for both.
1: Yeah, what a crazy story.
0: Yep. So Kane, as an actor. Has acted a few times all after this. 2006, see no evil. Plays Jacob Goodnight. And then after that, this paves the road for what?
1: Uh, Smallville in 2007, uh, season six, episode 17, episode combat. He played Titan.
0: Yeah, I never saw this, but that just sounds like he was a guy moving big things around, maybe hitting, hitting the hero.
1: Yes, yes. And then in 2010, he showed up on the big screen again um, in *MacGruber* with a bunch of other wrestlers, and he played Tanker Lutz in yeah, a very, very funny sequence.
0: Yeah, that is—that's the, the best sequence in the entire movie. Have you seen that film? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would, I mean, say,
1: I, yeah, I I would felt... argue that that's the only reason to watch that movie. Exactly.
0: I would tell anybody to check this movie out, and then once that happens, just put. You know, lace your shoes back up and and you don't have to turn it off. But, you know, if if you start getting antsy, you'll know you can walk over and shut it off because that really it to me, it's the most disappointing thing in that film. And there's a lot to disappoint in that. But after MacGruber, uh, the character of MacGruber showed up and hosted Raw. And interacted with Kane. There was a there was a, a fun little sequence with Kane and Triple H, where MacGruber was saying that he was wearing Kane scared him into wetting his pants, and so he was saying that they were Kane's pants. That's what he told Triple H, and he was holding them for Kane, even though because Kane had wet his pants. I, the whole thing is convoluted, and the odd thing is it isn't the most convoluted thing in Kane's backstory as a wrestler.
1: <laughs> and that was also the episode of Raw where we got Kaluber.
0: Yes, Caliber, which was the great colleague, and then also we they killed our truth in that episode. So we we have to cover that movie one day. So we should not get off onto the Magruber tangent because they're, they're really all I want to do about Magruber when we cover the movie is cover the movie in about a minute and a half, and then spend the rest of the time about that episode of Raw.
1: Oh my god, yeah, I can't wait.
0: All right, so Kane Glenn Jacobs starts out wrestling 1992 in St. Louis, Missouri, in the C. S-W-A as Angus King.
1: Yeah, and this was a a, a part of his career that I I did not know about. Yeah. Uh, He didn't really come on my radar until until WWE or WWF at the time. He he starts
0: out, he's over there in St. Louis, Missouri area. He then goes down south, wrestles as Doomsday. uh,
1: (laughs) Which is funny because that was probably right around the time that uh, DC Comics did their whole death of Superman angle. And Superman was killed by... Uh, a beast from outer space named Doomsday.
0: Right. Yeah, I, I would. I would be very surprised if there's not some kind of connection. And then he went on to Smallville, where he got to fight against Clark Kent. Uh, he also appeared as the Christmas creature.
1: And this was down at Smoky Mountain wrestling.
0: Yeah, and I'm not going to say any more about the Christmas creature. You have Google. You people can go look that up. Uh, he also appeared as the Unibomb and then he won a tag team championship with Al Snow. Him and him and Al Snow were the dynamic duo and uh and that was it for him in in what you, I guess you could almost call the indies. Smoky Rock Mountain was pretty big, yeah. but uh that was before actually, he went broke into the big time.
1: Yeah, and actually I this this was probably around the time that was Smoky Mountain um, was that like a, a federation that Jim Cornette was involved with?
0: Yes, it not only was. Jim Cornette was very heavily involved in it, and uh, they were doing a lot of trading where guys were coming from there to WWE, which. It sort of makes sense that Kane came over. However, Kane stopped at WCW along the way, which I don't quite understand. Uh, But I do have an interesting video I have from years ago, and I I should really uh, take a look at it again. But it's somebody took a camcorder to a picnic that they that uh, like a barbecue that I think Jim Cornette was holding. That Al Snow is at, and Glenn Jacobs is there. You know, looking goofy with his with his long hair and, and and and. Al Snow's just telling stories for the most part. That's most of the video is Al Snow telling jokes. And there was and, – and Glenn Jacobs was sitting with him. So I guess it may have been the time that either before or after or during the time that they were tag team champions. But uh, they seemed pretty close and uh, very funny. I mean, the two of them together was a real, you know, Abbott and Costello kind of thing.
1: That's great. Uh, one more thing about Smoky Mountain is I remember I think it was – I went to a Survivor series in the in the early to mid nineties. Oh, yeah. And I remember there being a smoky mountain Uh, wrestling federation uh match on that card
0: yeah they had i mean that's what i'm saying they had a big trading kind of thing going on where you know they would they would wrestle full matches you know wwe was having a lot of problems at that time they were wwf and they were having a lot of competition coming from wcw but more than that they were having a lot of competition if you will coming from the united states government that was trying really hard to shut them down
1: yeah, Vince was trying to stay out of jail,
0: and so that was a real rough time for for wrestling. And uh, during that time, uh, apparently, Glenn Jacobs went over to WCW and, and appeared as a character named Bruiser Mastino.
1: Yeah, and that's gonna be that's definitely gonna be a name that I, I Google because I wonder if there are any televised matches uh, with Kane wrestling as Bruiser. Yeah, I'm wondering
0: if this may have been, you know, I, his wiki page says briefly, it may have been once. You know, for all we yeah. know, it may have been a tryout match. Uh, he made his first TV appearance for WWE <laughs> in in 1995. It was then the WWF, and he was Jerry Lawler's <laughs> private dentist. He was Isaac <laughs> Yankum, Dr. Isaac Yankum, DDS.
1: Yes, uh, demented drill sergeant.
0: That's right. This was the dumbest gimmick I think ever. (laughs) The only one I can think of around this time that was worse probably was Thurman Sparky Plug, which he later later became...
1: Hardcore Holly.
0: Yeah, so he changed his gimmick, uh, and and he was only uh, Thurman Plug for a very short period of time. But that was probably, although I don't know, they had the goon, they had... That was
1: the era where everybody had to have a day job. Yeah,
0: exactly. So all these wrestlers, you're like, so... Your accountant may be IRS. You know, you may go to your accountant and, you know, and then and then at night he's got to go put on his trunks and go wrestle. It just seemed like seemed kind of odd that that was that was a thing back then.
1: Yeah. And um, Isaac Yankin was put into a pretty big uh, angle. Yeah. Right off the bat.
0: Right off the bat, he had to, he had to fight with Bret Hart because Lawler was was at had had an ongoing feud, which I think to a degree still is ongoing to this day uh, with with Bret Hart. And uh, he, Lawler I, had kind of exhausted his chances of fighting him. You know, they we had we had all seen Lawler lose to him enough times. So he brought out Kane as as the demented drill sergeant. Isaac Yankum DDS and Isaac Yankum had to fight Bret Hart and he lost and he lost a few times. And that was really the bulk of his, his run as Isaac Yankum. But it was one of those big super pushes and he fought against Bret Hart in a steel cage match on an episode of raw. He fought against him in a tag team match where he was partnered with Jerry Lawler against Hart and Hakushi, who was uh, with Bret a lot at that time. And that was back in November of 1995. And that was, towards the end of his push after that he kind of faded away yeah and then returned in September of 96. here's the greatest thing if you're if you have short-term memory with wrestling you're thinking oh okay that's when Kane came back but no, oh, no there is no. another dumb gimmick to go and this one may top them all
1: Oh yeah well this was after um, Scott Hall and, and Kevin Nash diesel and Razor Ramon jumped ship and went over to WCW.
0: Right, so so uh, Jim Ross came on TV and said, "I got a big announcement. I'm going to bring back Diesel, and I'm going to bring back uh, you know Razor Ramon." And so, out comes eventually, after plugging for a few weeks, we get we get Rick Bogner as a, as a pudgy <laughs> version of Razor Ramon.
1: He had the shtick down pretty good, though.
0: And then we get uh, you know Glenn Jacobs, the future Kane, as Diesel, and. He just didn't look right. He just, his no. head was too big. His hair was mm-hmm. all wrong. Kevin Nash, for, for all you can say about him, he's a good-looking guy. Mm-hmm. Glenn Jacobs, not so much. You know, has yeah. ugly teeth, kind of a off-putting face.
1: Mm-hmm. And the only real difference between uh, the Glenn Jacobs, Diesel, and uh, Isaac Yankum was when he was Isaac Yankum, he had blonde hair and and uh was clean shaven. Yeah,
0: yeah. So I mean, you know, right away everybody knew this was Isaac Yankum. And again, this had only been a short time from his Isaac Yankum appearances. I mean, you know, this has been less than a year, you know, from yep. the time we last saw him. So Anyway, so he went around as, as Diesel for a short time. That faded out the very next year. He had his last appearance, 1997, at the Royal Rumble. Disappeared again until October when he came out as Kane. And this was really cool. He came out to uh, In Your House, Bad Blood. This was the first ever Hell in a Cell match. Wonderful match. If you haven't seen it, check it out. It's between Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker. And he came out and he cost he cost, uh, Undertaker the, the match.
1: Yeah, now that that's got the famous line from Jim Ross, that's got to be Kane, right? Yeah,
0: I think that I think that's right because they had been building it up for weeks. You know, mm. Paul Bearer would say, "Oh, I'm bringing out somebody from your past." <laughs> yeah. So, so now now here's something interesting. As we talked about the big famous date that goes along with this movie, May 19th, 2006. Well, mm. on May 19th in 1998. He was they they revealed that, you know, that uh, Paul Bearer had been a, an employee of the funeral home in Death Valley that the Undertaker's parents owned and that there's a whole convoluted looted backstory. But basically, the two of them are, are half brothers. Is that right? Or are they full
1: yeah. brothers? I believe they share a, a mother.
0: But I think they've rewritten this at like five <laughs> times since then. But at, at one point in time. He claimed that uh, that the Undertaker had burned down the funeral home, had killed the parents, and Kane was was damaged because of this. And uh, the Undertaker had thought that Kane had died in the fire, but he hadn't. Yeah. Paul Bearer had been raising him all the time, the whole time yeah. he had been working with the Undertaker. Had probably when he was working as Percy Pringle on the independent scene prior to this,
1: he had <laughs> Kane
0: at home, and Kane's just you know hey, and he's like oh I'm going on the road one of the most
1: one of the most interesting things about this though is if you remember when the undertaker made his debut he debuted as kane the undertaker
0: yes uh undertaker was came out with uh with um ted dibiase and his name was kane the undertaker i guess maybe they've retconned that that it was a tribute to his dead brother
1: that's what i would guess
0: (laughs) so so paul bearer um Had survived the fire, uh, had hid Kane away, let him grow up. And then they, after the Undertaker betrayed Paul Bearer at SummerSlam, he said, aha, now's my time to bring out my Kane. And so, so anyway, Kane had a, had a big run in WWE at this point, which is still ongoing. And there's a lot of little things to talk about with it. But uh, the, the point about Kane's character is he started out, he had a mask a full mask covered his whole face. We were told he was burned up under it.
1: And he didn't even talk either.
0: He didn't talk right away. And then yeah. he became friends with uh, with X-Pac. He became a <laughs> yes. tag team with X-Pac. And then he got one of those, uh, like an electro larynx, one of those vocalizers for people that have had, you know, serious issues with throat problems. And yes. so he would come out and be like, thank you very much, X-Pac. And if they weren't trivializing a serious illness that people had, I don't know what else you would call that, but he would go, Thank you, Xbox. I will now yeah. fight Road Dog.
1: And it didn't even seem like he was using it in the proper uh, fashion because he was going through a, a, a mask. Um, <laughs> you know, it just, yeah, like you said, it really did seem like they were. Uh, they were sort of mocking it. So
0: X Oh, sort of. Yes.
1: Totally. So X What? WWF mocking something?
0: So X-Pac worked with Kane and convinced Kane two things. First thing he convinced him was that that he could talk. So he yeah. he he was like, "You can talk, trust me. Without it, you can talk." And Kane looked at him and then grabbed the mic and said, "Suck it."
1: <laughs> this is all true.
0: They won the tag team titles twice, uh and then at at there was a feud with uh with kane and triple h and, and At this point, I was thinking that he had lost his mask but now that i 'm thinking that we still have the uh the Katie Vick storyline before Kane has no mask so yes, the katie Vick storyline every wrestling fan probably knows this if you don 't there's certainly videos online and you can find out about it, but the story was that kane. And this is the real story within the show. This is crazy. You know, I mean this is what they told us really happened to this character of Kane. He uh he, he had a girlfriend and uh her name was Katie Vick and uh uh they got in a car accident and she died in the car accident, and so Then Triple H showed up dressed as Kane and climbed on top of her corpse inside a funeral home. This is one of the strangest angles in wrestling history. People were not pleased about this.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And.
0: So so then uh he removed his mask on uh, in June of 2003 he uh he he turned heel and then he said no my my uh my mask was to cover up my mental scars i was actually mm-hmm. not burned by the fire and instead i i just looked like isaac yankum with no hair <laughs> Right. I mean, that's, you know, so then yeah. now this is this normally you'd say, OK, that's that's enough craziness. And you if you, you know that there's a lot more. He he got uh, he, he apparently claimed he was the father of like Lita's child. He got married yes. to Lita. Uh, I think he got married again at one point. And, and then in like in like August uh, uh, of 2000, uh, what was it? Maybe like 2000, uh, probably 2005, 2000. Probably 2005, probably a year before this movie came out, he had the angle where he married Lita. Okay, he yeah. defeated one of the Hardy boys and married Lita. And that brings us about in his career to the time when this movie was filmed. Yes. So let's let's talk from here on about the actual film starts out with a uh, with a scene that I think is a pretty good opening for a horror movie. It starts out with, you know, there's these police responding to a call. They find this woman, and her eyeballs have been pulled out of
1: her head. Yeah, really, really effective scene, too, because they come in the room, and she's sort of crouched down, and they're, they're asking her if she's okay, and her hands are in her head, you know, in her face, and she looks up, and she's got no eyes. Right,
0: and they did the thing, which I always like, the children singing-type record, you know, to creep mm-hmm. you out. The little uh, uh, child's record is playing over and over, which sort of is somewhat of a theme throughout the movie. Yeah. So, uh, so one of the cops loses his arm. I think the other one loses his life. Uh, yes. And the cop with one arm, we get to see for a while, which is fun. So now we cut to four years later, and and this cop with the with the who, who lost his arm is involved in the weirdest you know uh, rehabilitation i've ever heard of for inmates
1: yeah i i almost wondered if the fact that he had one arm limited his his opportunities as a as a police officer
0: yeah but i everything about this just seemed like it just seemed like a bad idea from the department you know why would you do this why would it benefit first of all they they bring so they bring this group of delinquents there you know yes. and they're sort of unchaperoned and left alone in this house to clean it, wouldn't it be easier to just hire people to clean it? I mean, the place looks like it's in really bad shape. You'd think a professional cleaning crew could do this quicker and more effective.
1: Yeah, and I'm not even sure that they could, because this place, I think they had said it <laughs> it had been in a fire 30 yeah. years earlier. Yeah.
0: they're like, there are floors we cannot walk on or the whole building will collapse. I'm not sure yeah. I understand how this works from a safety point of view.
1: So let's bring in a set of girls and a set of guys <laughs> yes. to come clean it up. Why, now,
0: why isn't this just a set of guys or a set of girls? Because yeah. this is a movie.
1: Yeah. and the, Well, the other thing is um, that bothers me about this film, and we'll get to this as we get closer to the end, is these are delinquents. And there's a really cool kind of sequence when they're introduced, when they're all getting on the bus to go there. They sort of do this freeze frame, and they'll they'll put up a title card that says, the character's name and then what they were arrested for.
0: Right. And I thought that was clever and effective way to introduce them in a very short period of time.
1: Sure. But it, for me, it instantly created a situation where uh, these were all pretty bad kids. Uh, you know, some of them had made mistakes or whatever, but instantly they didn't. They weren't innocent children that were getting offered up to a killing machine.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and so that's what they're setting up. Let's talk about a couple of the actresses. Most of the people in this film were people that were Australian actors, and I've never heard of them, but there were a couple that have done some stuff that we may have seen.
1: Yeah, yeah. two of the actresses in this we've probably seen. Uh, the first one is uh, Christina Vidal who we might notice from her first movie appearance in 93 with Michael J. Fox in the film Life with Mikey.
0: Yes, and that is a movie that we'll have to one day either tackle that entire film, uh, which is it's a fun film and I think might be worth seeing the whole thing, or at least the sequence that Jerry Lawler and Jeff Jarrett appear in. So that's a, oh, right. that's a fun movie, Life with Mikey. And then yeah. what did she do after that?
1: Oh, well, well, 10 years later, uh, she did another memorable film uh, with Lindsay Lohan, Freaky Friday. Yeah, that's and, and th- since then, she's what's I, I like? was
0: just going to say, Freaky Friday, okay. the one with Lindsay Lohan is really if you're a movie fan, it's good to watch because, number one, she's really good. And it's it's fun to see that, you know, that what promise she has it's sad you know, yeah, oh. what has happened with her. Um, but she's really good in that. I would say that that version of Freaky Friday is better than the original.
1: Sure yeah yeah I mean Jamie, Jamie Lee Curtis was really strong it's, as well it's
0: stellar I mean it is a that is a real fun you know family movie and uh, she's done what a bunch of TV appearances since this
1: yeah since that we you've probably seen her on shows like ER or monk or House and most recently the USA show uh, fairly legal
0: all right and so who is the other girl that we would know
1: this was the girl that bothered me when I saw the movie and I actually had to stop the movie and Google her uh, Rachel Taylor is a Australian uh, actress who in Transformers, um, she used her natural Australian accent, which is funny because in this movie she uh, used an, uh, an American accent.
0: Interesting. Now, what did she do in Aust- – in, in, uh, not in Australia. What did she I do in Transformers it, with her Australian She was
1: percent? one of the um, – she worked at the Pentagon, and they gather up a bunch of computer hackers and people like okay. that and sort of get them working on some kind of code that's being sent down, I think. Oh, interesting. But she's – She's all over the movie.
0: Oh, good. All right. Well, next time I watch this, I will keep an eye out for her. What is her fate in this film? (laughs) Jump ahead. What is her fate in the film?
1: Uh, Death by cell phone.
0: Okay. So when I see Transformers again, that's what I'm going to think of when I see her scenes. (laughs) So the two of the guys, this is uh, Tyson and Richie. Again, names that just sound like a screenwriter wrote them. Uh, Yeah. They say, "Oh, there's a safe. We heard a rumor that there's a safe in this building. Let's go look for it." And so they start looking around on the floors where they're not supposed to be.
1: Yeah, and they have the floor plans that somebody gave uh, <laughs> gave them.
0: So, this is when uh when Jacob Goodnight, Kane attacks them for the first time.
1: Yeah, and it's a really cool scene. You know, it it was almost reminiscent of like the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre where you know, uh, Kane came out of a, well, I guess it was a an elevator, mm-hmm. and he's got this chain with a hook on it and hooks the guy by the leg and drags him away while uh, his friend just watches, terrified, and and uh, Richie even reaches out, like, for help, and, and his terrified friend is sort of frozen, and and can't help him. It was a really, really effective scene.
0: Yeah, I actually saw a lot of Texas Chainsaw Massacre in this. There was a lot of just things like the flies that they used. And, the yes. you know, like the, the, the torn wallpaper and the color palette. A lot of inside mm-hmm. this movie really felt like Texas Chainsaw Massacre.
1: Yeah, sort of remixed and recut for a 1990s audience. Because this movie... You know, it was made in the you know in the mid two thousands, but for me, it really looked like <laughs> yeah. sort of a nine inch nails video from the mid nineties.
0: Yeah, yeah, indeed. So let's buzz through some more of these deaths. What what happens after that?
1: Um, ooh, goodness. So let's see. Uh, we do have a quick subplot where we we learn that one of the girls um, was uh, had a bad relationship with one of the guys yes, who was there, and the guy's a he real was,
0: jerk. And and you, he was yeah. He, there, he was
1: pimping her out.
0: There's that, and there's also the, the pseudo-relationship, which never pays off between the one-armed cop and the female that's there to supervise them.
1: Yeah, we get the scene where she's uh, they're having a discussion after the kids are sequestered in their rooms, and she, he asks her why she, she's wearing a, a wedding band on her right hand, and she says, well, um, I'm not quite ready yet. And then she goes on the elevator, decides she's ready, puts it on her left hand. And sure enough, Kane kills
0: her. It's great. I think that is one of the best things about this movie. I do like when a movie keeps you guessing. And this movie did a whole lot of those where I was like, ah, that's, oh, I guess that's not where they're going. Oh, but they're <laughs> going to, uh-huh, they're not going to go that way yeah. either. So what happens next?
1: Yeah. So then during the escape, uh, she's attacked by Goodnight and he drags her into a dumbwaiter. We're really not sure uh, what happens to her Yeah, but at this point.
0: I, I want to talk about at this point, the girl with the tattoos. This was a theme I really liked. So religious symbols seem to make Cain want to pull your eyeballs out.
1: <laughs> yes, she's got a big cross tattoo on her back.
0: And we get a, a real slow, watch her take a shower in the seediest place in the world. It really like is, is like a combination of you're like, ooh, wow, hot chick, take a shower. And then you're like, but it's so filthy, she'd be infested <laughs> with something, and I wouldn't want to be near her.
1: Yes. So... The, the, the two kids who witnessed uh, the girl getting dragged into the dumbwaiter go to the one-armed cop and describe who he was. And at this point, he realizes that it is the man that took his arm.
0: He's like, the guy who we thought was
1: gone <laughs> is back. And then not two minutes later, the one-armed cop is dead.
0: Yes, which again, this movie just <laughs> keeps doing the opposite of what you ex- you expect. I mean, it's really, really crazy.
1: Yeah, and he's also the last sort of good character yeah. to get killed here. I mean, at this point, everybody else is pretty unlikable. Yeah, uh, uh, especially the the male lead at this point, who uh, earlier in their film he he um, he throws a can at a dog.
0: Yeah, this is um, a bad guy. This a, Tyson character.
1: Yeah, and, and he was a pimp.
0: And the girl characters we have left are are generally not – they're at best, they're just ditzy characters we don't feel for. But at worst, they're not good characters. So we go forward and uh, we work our way towards the the big climax and we get a few wonderful death scenes along the way. We get the cell phone stuffed down her throat. She's like texting and Kane's like, I will make you eat your cell phone.
1: Yeah, and it's one of those old – Flip I guess phone. in 2006 it was yeah it was a flip phone so he mm-hmm. closed up shoves it down her mouth and the phone's ringing
0: <laughs> I know you see it <laughs> ringing there's no witty one-liner cuz again in this movie Kane is is somewhat you know of a um like a a mute character. He's not Kane, unfortunately. He's this Jacob Goodnight character. Uh, But he also, he's dressed in, you know, like this gray shirt. He's really like a nondescript kind of killer, which I think is one of the negatives about this film.
1: Yeah. And one other thing, since we're talking about his look, is he had um, some kind of prosthetic teeth in that almost gave him, um, well, really rotted looking teeth, but also almost fangs maybe where his incisors yeah were they they
0: did a little work on Kane's already not great teeth i mean you know that yeah something he's played up a lot especially when he was the demented drill sergeant
1: <laughs> yeah and then he had sort of matching uh, the, the the nails almost uh, or the his fingernails almost matched his teeth they were almost the same the same color and texture and he sort of had a uh, you know long fingernails and i guess that was really to make it believable that he would be able to claw somebody's eyes out
0: so one by one he gets rid of these characters he thinks about his mom because he has mommy issues which we'll get into a little bit afterwards and he 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 tries to gouge eyes out he he kills you know by slitting the you know grabbing people by the throat he tries to tries to push the one girl out the window or whatever i mean there's a lot of crazy moments that come on until we get to the the big end where three of these characters survive which i was surprised about (laughs)
1: Yeah, it, it really. This you know, this movie did it, it flipped the script in that way where you know, like you said, you know, you think you know where it's going in terms of characters, and then they're they're killed. But I wouldn't have guessed that the three people that made it through this movie are the three that make it through this movie. Yeah,
0: I kind of like that, but I, 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 it's it's also unfulfilling as a as a thing to happen in a movie. So Kane falls down. He he a, a pole goes through him and kills him. And then a dog pees into his eye socket, <laughs>
1: yeah. and we have to wait till the you know the the, the first part of the credits yeah. for that. Um, oh yeah, that's that's
0: isn't. a bonus. <laughs>
1: yes, and the dog pisses right in his exposed eye socket. Yes, he
0: does. So that's see no evil. Let's talk about what they talked about on review away.
1: So uh, like we talked about earlier on the show, the writer Dan Madigan was a guest on the Review Away podcast with John Pollock and Wei Ting. And after they did a review of the movie, they actually did an interview with Madigan, which was really good. And he tells a really, really funny Vince McMahon story. Do you want to talk about it?
0: (laughs) I don't, but please go (laughs) ahead and tell us.
1: All right. So this is directly from um, Dan Madigan. Mm -hmm. I get a call from Gregory Dark, the director. He says, we've got a little problem here. This call is from Australia. I said, "What's the problem?" He goes, "Vince has a suggestion about the movie." I said, "Well, it's his movie." He goes, "Vince wants to see okay, the movie." Okay, before you where-
0: say this, I want to repeat for those of you that have children anywhere near that you you can't just clever their ears at this point. You can't just <laughs> not that you have to turn this off. This is something that will scar your children forever. All right, what was Vince's idea?
1: All right, he goes. Vince wants this scene in the movie where Kane's character pulls out his. Oh no 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 no
0: All right, all right, I'm ready. Go ahead.
1: Kane's character pulls out his penis, and he wants it to be three feet long.
0: Check, please.
1: I thought there was a connection problem. I said, "Greg, can you just back up and repeat that last line for me?" He goes, "Yes." Vince wants Kane's penis to be three feet long. And none of the producers are saying anything about it. So I sat there and I go, oh, this is not good. This is not good. Well, this is really not good.
0: Obviously and, this didn't happen, but that just is such insight into into the story of Vince McMahon making movies.
1: Yeah, and later in the interview, Madigan says, uh, when the script was finally okayed, they brought someone else in to rewrite it, which made him kind of unhappy because he says um, –
0: he, he had tried the, to make a movie that didn't follow the, the cliches of horror films, and they yeah. tended to put all of those back in. So a lot of the exactly. stuff that we criticized about this was stuff that was not apparently from his draft.
1: Yeah, and now I, I know it's on Amazon and, and it's not cheap, but Madigan also wrote the novelization of the film, which I'd be really, really uh, curious to read.
0: Hmm. Hmm. So we had talked a little bit about wrestling building up to this. Who the Kane character was. A few more things happened prior to this. Uh, this movie being made. There was uh, the whole thing with with Lita and Schnitzky.
1: <laughs> it's not my fault.
0: That's right. And this is how they wrote Kane off of television. Uh, Snitsky crushed uh, uh, Kane's larynx with a with a steel chair at Taboo Tuesday. And so he was, he was then taken off television so he could go film this movie. And then, uh, he came back right after WrestleMania 21. He reconciled with Lita. And then we started getting this stuff that happened where Kane had snapped and things were going wrong with him, right? Remember, he was fighting against the Spirit Squad and Big Show, and all of a sudden he snapped, and, and there were voices in his head, you know, and we were told yes. something's wrong. Voices are in his head. And then, if anyone mentioned the words May 19th to him, he went crazy. Yeah. He was getting very upset by May 19th. And so then we started hearing his voice mm-hmm. go, May 19th, it's happening again. They're all gonna know. And he would go crazy, you know, ah, May 19th, sort of like what they're doing, what they were doing before this week with AJ, where if you said crazy, she went crazy, but Kane's yes. deal was, he, he went crazy about that. So, that was the date where his family was killed in the fire, and so they went back to to that they you know retconned that into the storyline or whatever, and so that was uh, that was Kane's career, and that was how they they stuck this into this. Of course, since this movie, Kane has continued to be a successful wrestler. Uh, right now, he is the tag team champions all by himself with Daniel Bryan also being the tag team champions.
1: And surprisingly, or not surprisingly anymore, but at the time, he is back in the mask and long hair gimmick.
0: Yes, he he had the whole return to it, which I had been saying for years, oh, God, he's got to go back to that. He's got to do that again. Oh, that would be so great. And then when he did it, I was like, huh wasn't that great was it didn't didn't need to come back he had like a really silly big mask on top of his mask and then he took that yeah, off Yeah, he
1: almost wears yeah it's almost like one of those uh, welder's masks
0: the problem really is he should have gone back to not talking and and not yeah. with the the electro uh larynx but to where he didn't mm-hmm. talk because kane does a lot of his promos aren't necessarily bad they're just weird there's a lot of mm-hmm. i will destroy you heh, 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 and yeah. you will be destroyed he does a lot of like this awkward laughing yeah. and you know like where i think he's stalling and so he, he does this weird laugh
1: yeah i actually think that kane and glenn jacobs have been around in the wwe so long because he really for a big guy he puts on some and he's still putting on some great matches
0: oh he really is i think kane is a uh a hall of fame future hall of fame inductee this is a a guy that Two things. Number one, uh, there's a thing. If you look at wrestlers that have succeeded in the WWE, most of them, most of them that have had really long runs have done embarrassing, stupid things for the show. They've been yeah. told, hey, you've got to date Mae Young and she's going to give birth to a hand. And And Mark Henry says, OK, I'll still have a job in the year 2012 if I do this. Um, Yes, you know, their Big Show had a had a run where he, you know, had to go to the bathroom all the time, and hell, (laughs) you know, Natalia. If she continues doing whatever stupid thing they ask of her, she'll be with the company until she's 80, like, you know, May Young. I mean, yeah. if you do the crazy stuff they want, they seem to like it. If you're a guy that says, hey, you know what, that's really bad for my gimmick, I'm not going to do it. It seems to be that they're the ones that end up having to leave. And Kane is a guy that's a lifer, mm-hmm. man. He's been there for a very long time and yeah. seems like he's going to stay there until he retires.
1: Yeah, and and actually, just to talk about people doing silly things, this extends all the way up to the top. Vince McMahon has done silly things. Oh yeah, Triple H has done silly things. Sure, uh, Stephanie did silly things. So it wasn't like they're trying to demean these people. It's just these people seem to want to do anything for the business.
0: Yes, and this is Vince McMahon's type of humor, as we've yes. learned. <laughs> uh, yeah, Vince always the one thing you can say about it is is he'll he'll dish it out. But when it comes time for him to take his lumps, when it comes time for him to be embarrassed, Vince is right there. You can't, you can't take that away from him. So on May fifteenth, two thousand six, there was a Monday Night Raw because the movie came out that weekend. You know, it was a Friday release, so there wasn't uh, there wasn't a Raw uh, you know on May nineteenth, but there was one just a few days before. Had a pretty exciting uh, lineup. Jim Ross was commentating with Jerry Lawler back then, and they were live from Texas. And so why not start things off with a Texas tornado handicap match? They had uh, Triple H, Shelton Benjamin, and Chris Masters on one team. There's two <laughs> out of three of those names you'll never see on, on WWE TV right now, and then one you might see once in a while. Yeah. On the other team, the, the losers of the Texas Tornado handicap match, John Cena and Rob Van Dam. And yeah. somehow, the <laughs> even though this is set up like teams, Shelton yeah. Benjamin became IC champ at the end of this, and I have to revisit this tape sometime to figure out how that happened.
1: Yeah, I guess it was... Uh, naturally the heels sort of banded together against the faces, and then at the end it was probably all bets are off.
0: Yeah, maybe. Or maybe it was just whoever got the pin got the IC championship. Who knows? Uh, There was a tag team title match that happened that (laughs) night with the Spirit Squad, and this was uh, Johnny Jeter and Nicky Nemeth were the tag team champions that wrestled, you know, the Spirit Squad had the Freebird Rules. Uh but, yes. so this was this would be Dolph Ziggler in the ring there. Yes. Uh and they uh, they beat uh, Goldust and Gene Snitsky <laughs> by pinfall, which I think is pretty awesome that that was a tag team at one point in time.
1: Yeah, and then we have um announcer who most people probably remember as an announcer, but we have Matt Striker Defeated Eugene uh, by pinfall. Well,
0: here's something interesting. Matt Stryker recently returned, had his first match in a very long time on Raw against Kane. Oh, right. So it all comes back, Craig.
1: Yes, that comes back to
0: game. Umaga had a squash match against somebody. Shawn Michaels uh, wrestled against one of the other Spirit Squad guys. And then at the end, Triple H, who was outside the ring, and and Shane McMahon was the ref, Triple H accidentally hit Shane McMahon, and and then things escalated from there in that storyline. But so that was what was going on. If you think back to that time, that can put a time frame on this, and you can remember when this movie came out overall. Mm-hmm. Did you get any letters, Craig?
1: Yeah, yeah. We got one here from Todd the God. Todd oh, the says, God. <laughs> yes. Best of the WWE films. Odd that they killed the cop with the prosthetic limb. Mm-hmm. That was actually the biggest surprise. Love the cell phone gag. Shame this wasn't supposed to be Kane's backstory instead of this new character. Regardless, no tap, he says. Yeah,
0: exactly. No, I, I, I would have... That's one thing that I thought when they were making this movie, that it was going to be Kane as Kane. Yes. I got a letter from Vince's hairline (laughs) that said, I don't like this film, but it was a good step for WWE films. They've taken some steps backwards since, but it's cool that they went in this direction in the direction of making theatrical films. I like to imagine what this would be with a real actor in the lead or other parts. Big tap as a dog pees in my eye. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> one more from jeff from kentucky above average horror film i hope wwe goes down this route again perhaps an undertaker film fingers crossed um interesting interesting stuff as always i think at this point craig i should ask you the all-important question did you tap out
1: okay. see no evil i consider myself a pretty big fan of horror films i'll i'll watch just about any horror film you put in front of me with Ceno Evil, I, I want to say that it had its moments. There some really good kills. Kane is, is tremendous. I think he's got a great physical pres, presence. And even though he, he only talks a handful of times in the movie, he really, really jumped off the screen. But there was no character here that I cared about or I wanted to care about. And if Kane wasn't such a bad guy, I would have been rooting for him right off the bat. And I have to say that it was a, a big tap out for me.
0: Wow. Big tap out. Well, mm-hmm. I watched this film and I had very, um, a lot of anticipation, I should say, because I wanted to see it in 2006. And it was one of those movies that, you know, I just never had the opportunity. I never really sought it out after theaters. It left theaters, but I always wanted to see it. And so when I saw it, I had built up this big image of I couldn't wait to see this. This was the hole in the WWE film series that I hadn't filled, you know, that I hadn't watched yet. And I watched it and I was disappointed. I didn't think it was great. I thought it was you know, I thought it was worse than a lot of the John Cena films. Um, I mm-hmm. thought there were a lot of problems with it. I thought Kane wasn't that great in the lead. Um, I thought he did well, but I thought most of the problems weren't his. It was that they they didn't film him right and they didn't they didn't costume him right. And I just didn't mm-hmm. I didn't like a lot of that. Um, but watching this a second time now, watching this a second time this week in preparation for this review. I really enjoyed it. You know, I liked the twists that they had, you know, sort of knowing that they were coming made me kind of appreciate how they at least said, "You know what? We're going to we're going to stick it to the audience a little bit here and and kill off a character that they just learned to like." And I like that stuff. And I got to say, when it comes right down to it, it's a really short horror movie that's pretty easy to put on and the the wrestling star is in it a lot and he's playing a character that's pretty close to his actual in-ring persona. So, with all of that together, i got to say, I didn't tap to Kane's See No Evil. So we split on that.
1: Split decision. That's right.
0: I do have an IMDb message board thread that I think is worth visiting. I always oh, like this to, is tremendous. I always like to take a look at the IMDb message board and to see what, what inhabits the IMDb message board.
1: And amazingly, there's no gay talk in Yeah, usually
0: thread. the IMDb message board is full of... Is Kane gay? I bet he's gay. I think everybody's <laughs> gay. There's a lot of like really dumb homophobic stuff on there where they'll just yeah. be like, this is this'll be, you know, they'll say, I think Kane's gay because he's he plays a real macho guy in, in all of his movies, or they'll say, I think, you know, um, uh, this guy's gay because he plays a real feminine guy in all of his movies. It's like, no matter what you get, they'll be like, wow, this guy's a really big supporter of gay rights. He must be gay. And this guy, he's against gay rights, so he too must be gay. (laughs) So So it's a very very homophobic message board, and it's usually the dumbest people on the planet as well. So I like to visit it, but this time... They had a different tactic. Why don't you tell us about it?
1: Yeah, the subject is Jacob Jacob Goodnight versus Chucky. And this is actually a fairly recent thread. It's from July of this year. And the uh, poster says, In a fight between Jacob Goodnight and Chucky, who do you think will win? There are two ways that either Jacob Goodnight or Chucky will win. Jacob Goodnight would win by stepping on Chucky or... Chucky would win by using voodoo magic on Jacob Goodnight, just like he did in the first Child's Play movie. Now this is in- and then if I if I uh, remember correctly, he's got a, a signature quote from a Child's Play movie.
0: Is that right? I it, think so. It says he, uh, It says this isn't over, you little, and then it says beep. You little beep, yeah. I'm not going to spend the rest of my life as a plastic freak the next time you're alone, you're mine. So that's from one of the Child's Play films?
1: I think it's from Bride of Chucky. Uh, It totally makes sense. Jennifer Tilly and the doll body.
0: Well, so this guy, this user, which uh, his name is like Bubbix14, I bet this is a guy who goes around on lots of different uh, message boards. You know, like maybe he goes on like the Muppets message board and be like, Muppets Mm -hmm. versus Chucky. Wouldn't it be great if Chucky was a Muppet? So, you know, maybe that's his deal. You know, he, yeah. uh, he likes to comment about Chucky involving other things. I think we should talk about, why don't you tell us about how Chucky did have some involvement in WCW. Oh, God. Uh,
1: there was an in-ring promo with one of the Steiners. Was it the dog-faced gremlin? Oh, uh, it was. Rick Ste- yes, it was. Rick Steiner and, and Mean Gene in the, in the audience. And Chucky comes up on the equivalent of their TitanTron and yes. out-promos Rick Steiner.
0: Really, really weird moment. So why don't you look that up on YouTube? Craig, who do you say? Jacob, goodnight, or Chucky?
1: Um, I got to say... Just because he's had more films, I think Chucky would pull out the way. Oh, it's got to
0: be Chucky. I I don't think, yeah, yeah, I think the the experience factor has got to go to Chucky on that one. So that's it for this time, and we will see you next time here on Camel Clutch Cinema, where we will be live in a movie theater someplace or a parking lot, just having seen the the movie The Man with the Iron Fist. We're going to do a show where we talk before we see it, and then we'll talk after we see it, so when that shows up, If you haven't seen that movie yet, you can listen because we'll give you the cue when you have to go out and go see it yourself because that's coming out this coming weekend.
1: Yes, and it stars uh, former WWE superstar Batista.
0: Yes, so that'll be uh, November 2nd. And so enjoy that movie, and we're going to talk about that next week. The episode might come out a little late because of that, but you're going to love it. You're going to enjoy it. It's going to be something different, something exciting. Uh, So that's it, Craig. Thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thank you. And we'll see you next
0: time here on Camel Clutch Cinema.
1: Thank you, Vince McMahon. Here we are in the party room celebrating Halloween, albeit a couple of days late, getting ready for a gigantic pie-eating contest. I'm your mistress of mayhem, Candace Michelle,
0: here to guide you through wrestling's spookiest, strangest, and sexiest Halloween fun.
1: night with the monsters. The World Championship Wrestling is coming. <laughs> Halloween Havoc '91 live Sunday, October 27th. Well, Gorilla, appropriately enough, this is Halloween week, and I would say right now the only man Bobby the Brain Heenan has to fear is the Big Boss Man. Ladies and gentlemen, the following contest is scheduled for one fall. Introducing first the zombie. The zombie. Zombie?
0: Yeah. Candy, trick, or treat. trick or treat, guys. Happy Halloween. Candy for all of you guys. All right. You guys be safe tonight, okay? What do you dress for best? I'm the ECW champion. I'm about to go have a match.